happy Mom's Day, and uh, every, you know, there's all kinds of mothers in here, uh, soon-to-be moms, moms working on it, and, uh, <laughs> and those who have little kids, big kids, and then those who kids are gone. You know, there's really no greater honor, really, when you have a, a mom that, when you have girls that become moms like you. And, and, and then you get to see them do that. Our, our girls aren't moms yet, thank goodness, because <laughs> I'm not a grandpa yet. They're, they're waiting on me to become ready to be a grandpa. But, um, you know, just seeing them as adults and you just see the reward of that. And how many moms know what I'm talking about? Um, you know, one thing I would do is if you have a mother, well, I mean, we're celebrating you as a mother, but if you have a mother and it's estranged or it's not a very good one, um, I'll, I'll say this every time. You really, you need to restore that relationship with your mom. You say, well, she doesn't deserve it. You know, she was horrible. She uh, did, doesn't, didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. Um, the reality is we're people who give honor regardless, not because they deserve it, but because God gives us the ability to do that. And he's told us to do that. We don't honor our parents because they deserved it. We honor them because God commanded us to honor our parents. He didn't ask. He's like, I gave you what you didn't deserve. How many got something they didn't deserve when God died on a cross and gave you salvation? Then we give what to people honor, even to those who don't deserve it. And you say, well, I just can't do that. You don't understand, Pastor. You can stand up there. You know, my mom died when I was 15, so um, I'm not sending any cards to her today. Uh, you have a mother if she's still alive. Listen, um, God, through the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the pursuit of a best friend, the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to honor a parent that doesn't deserve it. But you have to be willing to submit to do that. And what good is it if we come in here and just get some TED Talk and, and, some thing, and we don't let it change our life um, and change the lives around me? So if you have a parent, as your pastor, I'm not your friend, and I'm not your relative, and I'm, not, you say, I'm your pastor. And that means we can be friends. But, but I'm your pastor, and I'm asking you to consider what the Holy Spirit can do in your relationship with your parents. Because it, it, will, it will be amazing if you do that and you let the Lord do that in your life. Because it's Mother's Day, I, uh, we're talking about this pursuit of a best friend and pursuing the gifts of the Spirit over the next three weeks. We're going to talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit. And moms, um, we're gonna, you know, we'll give you a flower. It will die. Hopefully this will not die. <laughs> in fact, I told the uh, the Richfield, I said, if I've been successful, if I've been successful in sharing this with you, the Holy Spirit is willing, and if you will receive, every single person in here will operate in the nine gifts of the Spirit. Unless you don't agree with me, amen is how you agree, by the way. No, I'm serious. When you say amen, it means I agree with that. That's what it's saying. I agree. So if I'm successful as a pastor 
and sharing what they are, and the Holy Spirit is willing, and you come into agreement, every person in here will operate in the nine gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's right. And I'm telling you, it, this is supposed to be an adventure, and it will be. But before I do that, I want to give you um, quotes from third graders that were found on tests. And I don't do this often, but I'm going to do it on... I used to do it every Sunday, but um, people said they were dad jokes, so I stopped. <laughs> so here's the answer to, t- to the questions on the test. One was, Solomon, one of David's sons, has 300 wives and 700 porcupines. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. How many know that woman, right? You know her, yeah. Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. (laughs) The seventh amendment, amendment is thou shalt not admit adultery. Moses died before he reached Canada. (laughs) Yes. And would have died once he got there. (laughs) Sorry to all the Canucks in the room. (laughs) And Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of Jericho. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. (laughs) All right. Well, the kingdom of God, we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're not trying to redeem the kingdom of the world. We're trying to get people from the kingdom of the world to experience the kingdom of God, right? We don't, we're not trying to save a world that we cannot save. We're never going to save or redeem the kingdom of the world because its king is Satan. So you aren't going to do that. So we're rescuing people from the prison of that world and we're bringing in the kingdom of God. And it's amazing, last week we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, and we talked about how, what, what church would you attend a church that never talked about Jesus, that never brought up his name? Most of you, I, in fact, I said, if, raise your hand if you would leave if I just stopped talking about Jesus, and pretty much all of you said, yeah, we'd leave because Jesus is such an important part, yet we have no problem when the Holy Spirit's never mentioned And actually, Jesus said it was the Holy Spirit that was coming, and we should actually talk about him not just every Sunday, but every day. Like, he shouldn't freak us out. And Satan has done an incredible job freaking believers out about the Holy Spirit. And and it's amazing because we want to be in control. I'm not going to lose control. Well, have you ever stopped to think about that statement. I'm not going to lose control to who? The Holy Spirit? He's God? If you won't lose control to Him, you're in trouble. You're, you're going to end up in a bad place. The Holy Spirit is who you want to have in your life. You want Him to control your life. You want Him to lead in your life. And remember, we said, we had talked about how the Spirit of the Lord came into Jesus and lived in Jesus, but now He lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. And you, he lives in you. And, and literally that the Holy Spirit is in me and I am in me, we're sharing a body. So the Holy Spirit and I are sharing the body. When you look in the mirror, what would you do if you looked in the mirror and it wasn't your eyes? It was a like, hi, Holy Spirit, you are in there, right? But I guarantee you this morning, there are many in this room that don't believe what I just said. 
not that you wouldn't say it to people. In fact, you'd even teach in a class that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You would teach people that, but if you actually saw the Holy Spirit in you, you'd go, whoa, that's really true. He really is there. Because how many know there are things we know, but there are things we don't believe? You, you make decisions based on what you truly believe. You don't make decisions based on what you know. And this isn't about giving you more knowledge. This is about something different. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.20, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians a lot. By the way, 1 Corinthians is actually 2 Corinthians. Paul wrote a letter before 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter he wrote to Corinth, and then he, 2 Corinthians is the third letter he wrote to Corinth. It's just that the first one didn't make the cut, apparently. Here's what it says. The for, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Unfortunately, the American church has become all about talk. We talk a power game. We just don't walk a power game. And you can't walk a power game if believers are convinced the Holy Spirit was for another day. That his gifts were for another day. They're not for today. Do you know, up until 1600 and something, the church as a whole operated in the gifts of the Spirit, operated in, and then somebody wrote a letter or wrote a, a, a doctoral thing that said that it was of a different dispensation, and it gave horrible reasoning for why it's not for today. I often wonder if the reason people would rather believe it's not for today is because they don't walk in power and they don't want anybody else walking in it either. But if you look at the gifts of the Spirit, why would God take those gifts away from the church when she needs them the most right now? And there is something in us that has to determine, well, I'm not operating in it. A lot of times it's family of origins, how you were raised to believe that this isn't of God. It's kind of demonic. How is, how is the gift of healing demonic? Satan comes to kill, steal, and how is healing destroying something? He, sickness and disease is already destroying the body. Healing turns that around and brings health. How are any of those things of, of the devil? And yet there are people who believe that, that fact, that the Holy Spirit and all of that was of another day, and they never mention the Holy Spirit. There are three forms of gift, and over the next few weeks we're going to talk about these three forms of gift. You find them in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in every one, it is the same God at work. You see the Trinity in that passage, the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father working together. And so the gifts of the Spirit, there are nine of them. There are other workings and service that we'll talk about at another time, but this this, these are the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12.1, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand what they are so that you can operate in those gifts. So I, I want you to, to open up and learn about it. So if, you don't have a, if you're not taking notes, go ahead, grab your pen and take notes. I always say, if you're, if you're not taking notes, write this down. Because if we're going to operate in them, you don't need to know the definition of the gifts, 
but you need to be willing to do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to operate in the gifts inside of you, you have to learn what is your thought and what isn't your thought. Like when the Holy Spirit, if he's in your same body, he's going to use your mind. So you have to learn what is the thought that comes from your body and what's a thought that comes from his mind. Now, um, if you're, you know, you, you learn this over time because the, the reality is, when, how do I know when the Holy Spirit is talking to me, say, in a service or, or giving me a word or a gift, operating one of gifts? How do I know that's me? Well, say you're sitting in here, for instance, and uh, something drops into your mind, a thought drops into your mind about someone else in the room. And you say, well, how do I know that was for them and not for, for me? Well, first of all, it was about them not about you, okay? And one thing I've noticed as you're sitting here right now, one thing I know as a fact is that you're really just thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about anyone else. So for a thought of another person to come, it's probably the Holy Spirit getting you to keep from being self-centered focused to go to someone else. Now, if, when you're in your 20s, you're worried about what everyone thinks about you. When you're 40s, you don't care what everybody thinks about you. When you hit your 60s, you realize no one's thinking about you. <laughs> right? They're thinking about themselves. So when a thought drops in your mind about someone else, that, that's the first step to understanding that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Now, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially what? Prophecy. You're going to hear that in three weeks. 1 Corinthians 1.7 says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await or eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. You, you don't, therefore, you do not lack what? Any spiritual gift. You do not lack any spiritual gift. What you don't realize is the gifts are already there because the Holy Spirit is there. He's present. So, what are the gifts of the Spirit not? What are they not? They are not merit badges. They're not this thing where you go around and you start operating in the Holy Spirit and doing a gift of the Spirit of healing or a prophetic word or you have a message in tongues with an interpretation or you do a miraculous miracle, you pray and a miracle happens and you say, oh, look at how spiritual I am, look how deep I am. It doesn't make you more spiritual to operate in the gifts. You're not a better Christian if you operate in the gifts. It doesn't, they're, they're, it, it's not something that says, you know, I'll watch people go on a missions trip and they'll be used. It's interesting how people here won't ever, be operate, won't ever operate in the spiritual gifts. They go on a missions trip when they're not worried about what people think about them because they'll never see them again. And how easily they'll operate in spiritual gifts and then immediately think that they're somehow the spiritual giant because they now operated in the spiritual gifts. Because you think that people who operate in gifts have merit, more merit. It's like, look at me, look at my badges. You have people who say, I have the gift of healing. La-ti-da. You know, who cares? We all do. <laughs> 
you don't, here, here's the second thing, it is not, you don't possess it. The reality is nobody has the gifts. They don't belong to you. The Holy Spirit, where is he living? Where is the Holy Spirit living? Inside of me. He possesses the gifts of the Spirit. And so they're his. And it's amazing how when the enemy gets us to think that, well, I can't pray for them because what if it won't happen as if it rests on me when in reality you don't ever possess it. You're just giving the allowance to the Spirit who lives in you to operate. You're submitting your will to allow the Spirit in you to operate through flesh and blood to minister to someone in the gifts of the Spirit. And there's many times there are people the Holy Spirit has wanted to minister to in the gifts where we've said, nope, nope, I will not submit. I will not allow that to happen through me. I'm not going over there to pray in the Spirit because what if I fail? What if I look bad? How many love to get embarrassed? Nobody, nobody likes being embarrassed, Right? And so the enemy just plays on that. He plays on those things that prevent you from taking risks when in reality God wants to operate through you for someone else. See, when you're self-focused, you will never think about the good for someone else. You always think about what might, how you might look. Are you with me? Because the Holy Spirit wants to use you in healing this week. You're going to pray for someone to be healed this week. And many, if not most of you, are going to see people get healed. You're going to see miracles happen this week. Because he's going to start activating, because you're going to realize, it's not me, this is not me. Here's the other one. They're not magic. They're not magic trick. It's not some incantation or way of saying it. You know, you read the Bible and you said, uh, well, that person, when he, when he prayed for him, uh, they declared the blood of Jesus over them and in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So they go in and, and they, they've written it down exactly how I because that's how so-and-so prayed for someone and they got healed. So that's how I'm going to, and we think like the words we, like I'm just not as good with words and so I can't do it or I can't say it like them. Well, again, this isn't a magic trick. This, the Lord, Holy Spirit's willing. There is a need. Am I going to submit to the Holy Spirit to meet the need? And you don't need a PhD to figure out how to do it. You don't need to, you just, you just let, you just pray. And then you just let it, let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And you just, whatever he puts in your mind, that's what you share. It really is not complicated. Someone's saying, well, yeah, that's what you say because you're a pastor. You, know, you get trained in that. Most, most schools today teach you not to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. So what are the gifts of the Spirit? One, they're for common good. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If you don't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating, you don't have common good. You see, what, how it's set up is, pastor, preach a message that meets my need, and then, and then when it doesn't meet my need because the message of that morning wasn't meant to meet your need, well, you, then I'm going to find some other place that happens to have a message that meets my need. Here's the problem. The body is supposed to meet the need. Like, like I always say, when the service is done, that doesn't mean church is done. 
Because after this is done, and we prayed the last prayer, or we prayed at an altar, then there is the community time, and that's where you as the body go up to someone where they were on your heart that week, and you go up and share. I had someone call me this last week, a fellow pastor called me this last week, and he said, listen, I had a dream. The Lord gave me this word for you and this dream. And then he explained the word to me in detail as he got it. And in that moment, I knew that I was part of an organism, that it wasn't me and this person, that we're one, that we are one as the body of Christ. And there are different parts of the body that minister to this part of the body over here. And if you don't, there is no common good. The body is deficient in so many areas because we haven't been operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And right now you're thinking, that's right. I wish people would have been operating the gifts in the Spirit when I went through that in my life. Listen, if if that's how you think, we will stay in the place we are until you recognize that God is actually, when have I been asked to do it? When have I been asked to do that, to give a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom? Here's the second thing. They're tools for the work of your ministry. They're tools. They're like tools in the tool belt. They don't make you special They don't make you greater than the next person. They're like, in the morning you wake up and it's like, okay, I'm going to be building a wall. I need a nailer and I'm going to need a drill, right? I have the tools to build a wall. The Holy Spirit says today you're going to need the gift of healing and you're going to need the uh, uh, word of wisdom. So I'm going to give you those things today in order to do the work that you are going to come in contact with today. And the Holy Spirit gives you what you need when you're using it and then you take it back to the shed and you give it back to the Holy Spirit. They're not yours, but they're tools to help you do the work of ministry that you're doing. Most Christians would rather just live boring lives, working jobs that won't matter when you're 60, and you'll realize you wasted your whole life for nothing because you walked right past all of the needs of people around you. I mean, do you want to just, how, how many want to have an adventure? Not an excursion. Not an excursion. An adventure. You know, when I went to Burkina Faso, somebody says, well, weren't you scared? And I said, no, it was an adventure. It's an adventure. And if you're walking in the blood of Jesus, then you're not afraid. You just trust the Lord. And if it's time to go, it's time to go because it's a lot better there than here. Now, I feel bad for my family. They may be better off without me, but... I feel bad, for, but I'm going to be with Jesus. I mean, some of us should get excited about that idea. At least half of us did. When we were in Jerusalem, we are standing in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, and um, they say it's where Jesus was crucified and even buried. I don't agree that he was buried there. It's just too close. It's too convenient. Uh, but it's very likely he was crucified there because of the quarry, which would have been right outside the wall where they would have taken him. And so it's, it's a very possible site that he would have been crucified. And um, we were standing in the Armenian section of this church. There's three churches that operate this holy site. And the Armenian, and while we're standing there, something occurred to me. It was interesting as I'm looking at all the murals and stuff on the wall. It occurred to me that every culture overlaps 
their moral beliefs onto biblical truths. And they interpret the biblical truths through their cultural worldview. And they shape this theology that then is passed on from a worldview that was never biblical. And they pass it on, and then we overlap our worldview over that. And the Amer in America, we have done that. We preach democracy like it's a biblical truth. It's not. In fact, if it was biblical, we'd be living in a kingdom right now. And we are the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom that God established as the way it was ordered and the way we should think. But we try to overlap our democracy, our de democratic viewpoint, worldview, onto Scripture. That's why we think the Bible's good suggestions. Like we, we just, the command, I have a hard time with commandments and submission. When the Bible has an order for the home and marriage, we think that's a suggestion that the husband's not really the head of the wife. That's, that's not, that's, that's just a suggestion. That's not the way. In fact, me just saying that, does, we, we put all of, we attach all of these thinkings on it. Like we look at it in a dysfunctional way because it's been dysfunctional how husbands have ruled over their wives instead of covered their wives. Big difference. Right? But there's still an order at place. And, and we've done the same thing when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. There, the, 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 there is nothing in the Bible that says that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer for today. Nothing in the Bible says that they're no longer for today. Just some man who created an argument that said it wasn't, and it's even embarrassing when you look at his logic for it, and yet we've attached to it, almost willing to throw out the Holy Spirit because it's not for today. And we've attached this worldview onto that. And what I've noticed is we've thrown out the gifts of the Spirit, but many people have picked up the gift of demons because Satan himself imitates God. And just as God has service and workings and gifts, so does Satan. And he wants... There are many believers that walk in the gifts of demons... And not in the gift of the Spirit. You say, well, how do you... Uh, there's an example of a, a man when I, when I was just starting out in ministry. I was about 22 years old. Only about 10 years ago. And <laughs> as, I was, as I was going, you know, it was just in it. You know, I asked, somebody asked me, I was so young. They, they asked me, are you a real pastor? Because <laughs> you got to have gray hair to be a real pastor apparently. And I said, yeah, do you want to touch me? Uh, but when you're 22, everybody feels like they need to shape you, <laughs> right? Everybody feels like. So this guy came up to me, and he says, I just want you to know something. I have a very specific gift. And I'm like, really, what's the gift? He goes, I have the gift of confrontation. <laughs> and I didn't say this, which is unusual, me not to say something, but in my head I said, you are a man I will never be friends with. Because <laughs> that's not a gift of God, that's a gift of a demon. It's an attitude that says that I know better than everyone else, and when you get out of line, I'm going to come and confront you. 
You know where that comes from? Spirit of pride. That I know best. Now, I'm not saying confrontation is important. Sometimes we need to be confronted with things. But it's not a gift. It's a demonic gift. It, it is a gift, just not of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of demons. This attitude that I'm just better. So here are the nine gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. I feel like I just said that already. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. So there are three categories of those nine gifts. Here are the first three, and these are the ones I'm going to give you today. One, discerning gifts, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, and the gift of discerning of spirits. Notice it's not discernment, it's discerning of spirits. Talk about that in a moment. In two weeks, I'll be talking about the declarative gifts, the gift of prophecy, the gift of, of message of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Next week, we'll talk about the gift of healing, the gift of faith, and the gift of miracles. So if you have an, a, a, something to write down, here's the first gift, the gift of knowledge. I want to explain it to you so that you, you understand what's going on. Here's the first one, to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. So someone comes up to you and then they say, well, I know something about this person. You say, well, what is it you know about that person? I don't know. Then what is it you know? I know something's there. I know something. I just don't know what it is. We'll go back and pray about it because a feeling is not a gift of knowledge. Feeling is just because you feel something, that's not a gift of knowledge. A gift of knowledge is when you're given something specific about that person. I've told this story many times before. Um, there is a, a gentleman when I was coming out of my house in Michigan on the, the deck, it was higher than the houses behind us. And as I was coming out on the deck, I noticed my neighbor out mowing his lawn and I, I stepped out on the deck and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me he just had an affair. So I, I went down off the deck and I walked over there um, by the neighbor and I started talking to him and I found out he had just gotten back last night the night before from Las Vegas. And so the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of knowledge for a reason, not so you can know everybody's secrets. Listen, the gifts are not meant to embarrass people. They're not meant to tear people down. They're not meant to condemn. Always, always to lift people up. Always to build people up. Always to encourage. I've heard pastors from my, our own fellowship who've said it's meant to call people into judgment. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say the gifts of the Holy Spirit will call into judgment. You know why they don't? The blood of Jesus took care of judgment. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to judge the world, but that the world through me might be saved. If there's judgment going on, it isn't a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of demons. Okay? So the, the word of knowledge comes he gives you a word that you have for someone else. Remember what I said. If, if you're here in church and you see someone and a word drops in your mind, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? One, you were thinking of yourself 
and then your mind made you think of someone else and then gave you something specific for that person. You should get up after the service or during the week, give them a call and say, hey, I felt like the word, Lord gave me a word for you and it's specific. Okay, don't make it up because you can't make up something that's a word of knowledge because they would obviously not be true. And yet, don't be afraid to give the word of knowledge even if it's not true. Here's the problem I have with the church. We, we, we literally, if someone comes to you and they give you a word of knowledge and it's not right, just say thank you. Right? They're learning. And the people who have the hardest time with aren't the new believers. It's the people who have been saved 30, 40 years, 50 years. Because you've gotten into a rut of not operating the gifts and you aren't going to change it now. The Holy Spirit wants you to operate in this, okay? But do, like I've been saved two or three times. Two times I can remember for sure in grocery stores. Because someone came up to me and started sharing the gospel of Jesus with me. And I'm like, who? Well, Jesus, have you not? No. I never told them I was a pastor. I accepted Christ in a grocery store. And why did I lie? Because I wanted them to be encouraged. You know how much guts it takes to walk up to a stranger and ask them? Yeah, you do. Because you would do it if you could get the courage to do it. And this person did it. So you better believe I was going to invite Jesus into my life. And they probably went back to the church. Someone got saved in the freezer section. And maybe I had to get saved again, you know. Maybe I needed to. Right? We need to, we need to encourage one another in it. And when it's a word, say, can I tell you the story about what you just said? People think, no, no, we can't just operate it. You just can't operate it. That's the problem. It, my pastor that mentored me said, is it's a lot easier to get people off the chandeliers than to get them on. It's a lot easier to help people who are trying than people who are standing still complaining about everybody who is. We need to operate. We need to operate in the gift of knowledge. And in John 4, Paul operated in this, a woman who was a fortune teller kept saying, these are men of God. These are men of God. They're telling you the way of life. Eventually, Paul gets so annoyed, he casts the demon out of her. Why was it wrong? God will never allow demons to preach the truth. Ever. So here's the second gift. Oh, before I, I was uh, doing a marriage counseling one time and and, uh, and, and I, there, I was doing small groups. This happened in small groups. There were seasons of time where God just, I operated in the gift of knowledge. It was insane because no one else was operating in the knowledge in our body. And it was like God needed somebody who was willing to do it. And it was like it happened all the time. I went to 57 small groups in six months, some two a night. And almost every one of them, God gave words of knowledge for people. To the point the news spread, people were avoiding me. And I'm not kidding. They were avoiding me. They, they would walk the other direction because they were afraid I could see right through them. They didn't understand that, yeah, my eyes could see right through them, but they weren't my eyes. They were the eyes of the Holy Spirit. They, remember, they never tear down, never attack, never condemn. But they didn't understand that the Holy Spirit builds up, so they were afraid of something they weren't aware of. Right? One of those people who would avoid me at all costs was in premarital counseling with me. Last section, 
session and we're praying and the Holy Spirit gives me a vision and I, I give this word of knowledge. A girl in a red dress with a white sash weeping because you've just been sexually abused. She immediately crumbles to the floor. Before they could get married, God had to deal with that hurt in her life. Words of knowledge are not convenient. Words of knowledge are not just for a luxury. Words of knowledge are essential in the lives of people. And the church is hurting because the bride has not embraced the gifts of the Spirit. Second gift is the gift of discerning spirits. Discerning spirits. Oh, by the way, there's one other story. I hope you're okay with this. My dad, this is my da- a dad story. My dad ended up somewhere he wasn't supposed to be, never told anyone where he was going, but he was at this girl's house in high school. And he was there way past when he was supposed to be there because he knew my grandparents of eight kids would go to bed early, and he was the second of eight. And he was there. God wakes up my grandfather, gives him a word of knowledge of where his son is. He gets up out of bed in his pajamas, goes over to that house and knocks on the door late at night. They open it up. He says, where's my son? Hiding in the basement. He said, I know he's in here. Get him up here right now. And he took him home. Now, how many parents are saying, I need a word of knowledge for my kids? And every kid in here is saying, maybe after I graduate. Right? How many parents, if you operate in a word of knowledge, what an incredible... You know what that said to my dad? He, he, my dad looks at me, he said, I was protected by the Holy Spirit. That even when I wouldn't listen to the Holy Spirit, I knew the Holy Spirit was going to come to someone who's going to come and get me. How many kids are in drug houses right now where mamas are praying and we need somebody with the word of knowledge to go pull them out of that place right now where they're at? How many know I need a gift of knowledge? Anyone in here said, I need a gift of knowledge? I need a gift of knowledge. Here's the gift of discerning of spirits. Here, to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. We know demons exist and they operate in lies. How many times have you been in a situation where something wasn't logical and we didn't understand why it was happening the way it was? Well, God gives us literally discernment of what spirit is operating in that situation right now so you can speak to the spirit and command it to go. Anyone who casts out demons know one of the first thing you do is get that demon to reveal its name so you can then declare that name, tell that name, that demon by his name to leave. So if I said, Bob, go, Bob, go, Bob, go, Bob, go, you're all sitting there, right? How many Bobs are in the room? There's one right there, right? Like, Bob, I'm glad you didn't go. <laughs> Stay right. See, here's the thing. I'm, I'm commanding a name. If I say go, 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 nobody knows I'm talking to it. When you know the demon that's operating, then you know, one, it's not flesh and blood, so your attention and your frustration isn't with flesh and blood, but you recognize that demon's there and you command it to go. We had a situation in Richfield where parents had said there was a demon operating in their junior high kid. He was completely a different personality, totally affected, and literally none of the counselors could help. The teachers were saying that he needed medication. They needed to medicate him, and, and they went and began to pray and, de- and declare life over him and then cast the demon out, and he completely went back to himself. 
See, everybody believes that's someone else. If it's a demon, they got to have torn clothes and living in a cemetery. There, there are people oppressed, oppressed, obsessed, and possessed by demons working with you. Some of you are like, yeah, I work for one. It's not discernment. Discernment is knowing the difference between what is right and what appears to be right. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about discerning the spirits that operate. Um, and, and uh, well, and then the last one is the gift of wisdom. I've run out of time, so I'm going to give you the gift of wisdom. It's divine answers or solution for particular uh, situations. Divine answers or solution for particular situations. So follow with me. Christians are not better than everyone else. They should be far more equipped. They should understand things that people in the world don't understand, the problems. We always think the gifts of the Spirit are meant only for spiritual things and ministry. But do you know, what if you had a gift of wisdom and how to fix your marriage? Or how to raise your kids? The Holy Spirit would give you wisdom on how to do those things, divine things. How many believe the Holy Spirit wants to do that, right? There is a situation in Richfield uh, before I got there, um, there was a family called the McPherson family were, were there. And one of the children is Matthew McPherson. He's the one who created the Matthews bow for a bow and arrow. He created Believer. He was actually, his family's part of Bethel and Richfield before I got there. And he, will, and he also created the McPherson guitar, which is that guitar right there, very high-end guitar and, and sought-after guitar. Um, but he created that just normal Joe, no engineering degree, and he'll tell the story about how there was a problem with the bow and they couldn't figure out what the problem would be with the bow. And he has a design that the Holy Spirit gave him through a gift of wisdom. The Holy Spirit gave him the design. He's not an engineer. He put it into the bow and now his bow is considered to be one of the best bows in the world. Why? Gift, a perfect example of, of the gift of wisdom. When you're in your workplace, when there's a problem, you just lean over and say, Holy Spirit, what's the solution? And he gives you a gift of wisdom. You will be the cream that always rises to the top. Even though you don't have the degrees, even though you don't have all the education, the Holy Spirit just gives you wisdom and gives you, gives you favor and he just keeps causing you right because you keep coming up with solutions. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in you. But you have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge Holy Spirit. And then you have to ask. You have not because you ask not. Seek and you will. Knock and the door. Do you believe? That's what Jesus was always ending. Do you believe? Because when you believe and you start believing, everyone in this room, if I've been successful in laying out the understanding of what it is, the Holy Spirit is willing. There's a need. If you will submit this week, you will operate in one of those three gifts. You ready for it? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Hey, okay, Father, right now I pray in the name of Jesus for every person in this room. You've given us the gifts for the common good. We are the common good. I pray that this body in this room would begin to operate in the gifts in ways they have never done it before. 
had a level they've never done it before, measured at a place they've never done it before, that it would become the natural response to needs in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.